ten verses each. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll just read in English. Uh, is that, do you read ben, the Benengali also? We usually do, but I'm, I'm certainly okay with this. Unfortunately, I didn't bring my glasses. I already have a hard time with verses. I'll just, I'll just read the English and feel free to... Go ahead. After seeing that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted the renounced order. Purushottamacharya became like a madman and immediately went to Varanasi to take some knowledge. Could you say what I After seeing that, after seeing what is just... A, Bring me in. Sorry? Can you just bring me into the after seeing that, what was that? Uh after seeing that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted the renewal. Oh, the I guess after seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Okay. That's the way I read it. Okay. <clears throat> At the conclusion of his sannyas, his spiritual master, Chaitanya Ananda Bharati, ordered him, read the Vedanta Sutra and teach it to all others. Question from Ken. Has anybody, has anybody heard of Chaitanya Nanda Bharati? What an interesting name. It's very indicative of Mahaprabhu because Mahaprabhu is also in the line of Bharati and Chaitanya Nanda. You know, hmm. Interesting name. Tidot. <coughs> no, I've not. Not heard. No. Srivdhamadar was a great renunciate as well as a great learned scholar. With heart and soul, he took shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. He was very enthusiastic to worship Sri Krishna without disturbance, and therefore, almost in madness, he accepted the sannyas order. Hmm. Any comments on that? Almost in madness. Yeah, <laughs> that's the sannyasa of Srimati Radharani and the gopis. It's its own madhana. It's just something which comes like a volcano. It comes with this sort of mental calculation mm-hmm. or something. It's just an involuntary manifestation of their love for Krishna. Unmata. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means ecstatic. One of the symptoms of ecstasy and ecstatic devotion. Mm-hmm. It's ecstatic madness, not ordinary madness. <clears throat> it said, Sri Chaitanya Mukhod Gyana Hare Krishna Divarnaka. That's the way Chaitanya Mahaprabhu chanted. Sri Chaitanya Mukhod Gyana. It was Udgyana, it was just like mm. a volcano coming in, similar to the word Madha. Mm. <clears throat> Upon accepting sannyas, Purushottamacharya followed the regular principles by giving up his tuft of hair and sacred thread, but he did not accept the saffron-colored dress. Also, he did not accept the sannyasi title, but remained as a Naishtika Brahmacharya. There are regular principles governing the renounced order, and one has to perform eight kinds of shraddha, one must offer oblations to one's forefathers and perform the sacrifice of Raja Homa. Then one must cut the tuft of his hair, of hair called a Sika, and also give up the sacred thread. These are preliminary processes in the acceptance of sannyas, and Sarvadhamadar accepted all of these. However, Purushottamacharya did not accept 
the saffron color, the sannyasi name, or adanda. And for this reason, he retained his brahmachari name. Actually, Purushottamachari did not accept the sannyas order formally, but he renounced worldly life. He did not want to be disturbed by the formality of the sannyas order. He simply wanted to worship Lord Krishna without disturbance. Therefore, with heart and soul, he took up the renounced order, but did, did not, but not the formalities of accompanying it. Renunciation means not doing anything but serving the Supreme Personality of God and Sri Krishna. When one acts on this platform, trying to please the Supreme Personality of God, one is both a sannyasi and a yogi. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. The Supreme Personality of God had said, one who is unattached to the fruits of his work and who works as he is obligated in the renounced order of life, he is the true mystic, not he who lights no fire and performs no work. Just a comment on that translation. Why does it say, and he is the true mystic? Where hmm? and? In the, in the uh, Bhagavad Gita verse. At the very bottom. And who works as he's obligated. And who works as he's obligated. Yeah, why, why is the word and there? One who's unattached to the fruits of the word. And who works as he's obligated. But there's two things. No, no, the second. Uh, the, the second hand. As he's as long as he's is in the answer of life. And he's a genius. Sannyasi and a mystic are two different things. Mm. 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 Why can't they be both We're in the renounced order of life and a true mystic? could, but uh, It seems the hand is not needed there. Because the sannyasi, cha yogi cha. So, forgive me. Um, Tired. I've been in meetings since 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> I've been in meetings and I'm tired also. I started at 8, I finished at 6, 5, about 5, 30, I just finished now. I was, you know, kind of, I was interested in this word, Virajahoma, that, that uh, this is one of the regulated principles for entering a renounced sort of life. And first of all, it caught my eye because Can it's very really can He's speaking so quiet. I was uh, interested in this phrase, Vira Jahoma, which is one of the principles before accepting renounced order. And it, partly because it is Vira Jaketra in Arisa. Where, where is that? Where is in the uh, second, third sentence in the paragraph. One must offer relations from the sacrifice of Vira Jahoma. So Vira Jadevi is a form of, of Shiva's wife. But I just looked in the Sanskrit dictionary, and there's an interesting definition for it. It says that Viraja is a spiritual daughter of a class of Pitris called uh, Susada. Yeah, it's interesting. Viraja is a. Oh, Viraja, the uh, Viraja Ocean, uh, that's, uh, yeah. or Viraja River. It's uh, called it separates material and spiritual. Uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on his way to Puri, he went past the Viraja yes. River. 
Hmm. I, I swam across that with such a Mendon Marsh once. <laughs> we were almost drowned. They say whoever swims across that river, you won't, you'll never take birth again. <laughs> There's an island, maybe you've been there, with some very ancient deity, Lord Varaha. Mahaprabhu visited. But that's the place of Viraja Devi. I don't know what that, it was just interesting coincidence. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's, uh, there's more uh, on Lord Chaitanya's travels. Coming first time into Puri, uh, he goes into the, the whole area, I think it's called Viraja. Yeah, and, uh, and there's very famous Varaha deity over there, yeah. Prabhupada mentions. Yeah. Have you been in Marsh? No. I'll take you someday, maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> Very special. There's footprints of Mahaprabhu there also, established by Shilabhaka Siddhanta. Yeah. Nice. So many wonderful places. I'm sort of giving up the fact that I've never <laughs> gone to this in any way else except in the mind. And there's an advantage to going to holy places in the mind. There's no noise. <laughs> there's no... There's no waste beggars. and distraction and beggars and what have you. It's you can conceive of it <laughs> in a very perfect way. No crowds. No crowds. You can be just all alone. No, no problems with the bathrooms. Yeah. No. <laughs> Nobody surrounding you waiting for you to say something to them. Continue. <laughs> 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 the shelter of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Then all day and night, in ecstatic love for Krishna, he enjoyed transcendental mellows in the loving service of the Lord. Sri Bhagavadar was the limit of all learned scholarship, but he did not exchange words with anyone. He simply remained in a solitary place, and no one could understand where he was. Where he was? That's interesting. Sound good? <laughs> was this before or after Raghunath Das was entrusted to him? He just came. This is before. Yeah, before. <clears throat> Sri Sarup Damodar was the personification of ecstatic love, fully cognizant of the transcendental mellows in relationship with Krishna. He directly represented Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a second expansion. Because Sri Goswami is Lalita. He's come to Lalu. Lalu. Because Sri Goswami is Lalita. 
and to help come to help Radha, to help, help Krishna taste Radharani's mood. Any more comments on that? If someone wrote a book or composed verses and songs and wanted to recite them before Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sarupdhamada would first examine them and then correctly present them. Only then would Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu agree to listen. It's beautiful that the, the function Sudhamadar, Lalita and Sudhamadar is doing because Krishna wants to taste some other Radharani and uh, he's facilitating Mahaprabhu to do that. And some different people are coming with things, but he's screening it mm. to see if, it, if it's unequal for his budget. Yeah. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was never pleased to hear books or verses opposed to the conclu conclusive statements of devotional service. The Lord did not like hearing rasa bhavas, the overlapping of transcendental mellows. <clears throat> Bhakti Siddhanta Garuda refers to that which is against the principles of unity and diversity, philosophically known as the Chinjipa Inabeda, simultaneously oneness and difference. Whereas rasa bhavasa is something that may appear to be a transcendental mellow, but is actually not. Those who are pure Vaishnavas. <laughs> <clears throat> Those who are pure Vaishnavas should avoid both these things. Those who are pure Vaishnavas should avoid both these things opposed to devotional service. These misconceptions practically parallel the Mayavad philosophy. If one indulges in Mayavadi philosophy, he gradually falls down from the platform of devotional service. By overlapping mellows, Rasavas, one eventually becomes a prakrita sahaja and takes everything to be very easy. One may also become a member of the bola, bola community and gradually become attached to material activities. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has therefore advised us to avoid Bhakti Siddhanta Varuta and Rasabhav. In this way the devotees can remain pure and free from fall downs. Everyone should try to remain aloof from Bhakti Siddhanta, Siddhanta Viruta and Rasavas. Mm. Amazing Prabhupada says that these things, these two things are parallel yeah, to the Mayavad philosophy. It, 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 <laughs> we wouldn't think like that. that. These are people who are reading some devotional things or saying something, but because it's opposed to the conclusions or it's Rasabhas, then it's parallel to the Mayabad philosophy. Wow. <laughs> That's really a stern warning. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. It, it, someone recently asked us when we took a group of devotees to Alanath, to Shiva Bhakti Siddhanta's Bhajan, Bob Stolle, where he fell in ecstasy. Are, are the treating you any better over there at Alanath Temple? It's in the forest near the Swashiva Bhakti Siddhanta. No, no, yeah, I'm talking about the Alarnath Temple. Yeah. Are they treating you better at the Alarnath Temple? Uh, they, they just want money, like anything. They're, they're friendly for money. It's not very deep. Last time they were, when I went, that was the last time. They were unfriendly for money. 
Well, there, at one point there were some German ISKCON devotees who went there and they wanted to go inside the temple and they, they very politely told them, no, you're not allowed to go inside, but you can stay out in the courtyard and see from here. And they said, you know, get the hell out of our way, we're great devotees. And they forced them inside and they called the police. And for a few years they banned all the Western devotees mm-hmm. even from going in the compound. Well, that wasn't very intelligent to say, get the hell out of our way. They were great sacred time to release. Anyway, we were there, and uh, I can't remember the devotee asked us this question. He said that I was, he was speaking with some panda, and he was shocked to find that the panda was telling him that Lord Jagannath is Sabhishesh Brahman. Brahman with a form, it's my about philosophy. And he said, how is this a, a panda? And I asked, the, to answer the question, I asked the devotees, I said, we just did Harinam from the temple out here to the forest, to the village, and how many of you noticed all the Tulsi stumbles in front of the houses? And everybody noticed, yeah, it was really far out. I said, did you notice the writing underneath the Tulsi stumbles in Hariya? Nobody had noticed that. I said, do you know what that says? It's 16 words, it's a Hare Krishna mantra. Practically every house has a Tulsi Stamba and a Hare Krishna mantra. But if you speak to them, and what is their conception, so many of them, they think of Jagannath as Sabhisesh Brahman or some Mayavad kind of thing. Mm. So just because something looks like it's Vaishnava, what is the conception of those devotees? Mm. I really see that in Puri. I mean, it, it, the, the Govardhan Madhva, the Shankaracharya Puri, they chant the Hare Krishna mantra and they worship a deity of Krishna. And they recite Jagannath Ashtakam, they worship Jagannath and things, but they, they have this impersonal conception. Mm-hmm. So Westerners don't really... How is this impersonal conception employed in, in this, their uh, practices? I, I missed that point. How is it poisoned? Employed. Employed. In their conception, they're, they're chanting Hare Krishna, they're worshipping Tulsi, they're, they're worshipping Jagannath and Radha Krishna, but they're thinking that, that I'm going to merge with the Lord. Uh-huh. They, so they that's their goal. That's the goal. Of them. Right. Even they have some ecstasy. Wow, this is such a wonderful process. If I do this, I'm going to get to merge with the Lord. Well, and, see, and, describes that, doesn't he? As a, yeah. Sometimes they cry and roll on the ground. And whatever. That's the cult. In my memory, he talks about it. Vaishnava Siddhanta Mala. He also talks about it other places. Uh, two types of. Uh, it's too late for me. As I better not, I better not contribute. My mind is not working. I I I I, I use these words all the time. <laughs> you know, they consider bhakti as a means. To another end, whereas for us, bhakti is the means and bhakti is the end. Uh, they, they consider that you practice devotion, but ultimately uh, you go beyond devotion and you enter into, uh, become the object of devotion yourself. That's why Jyam Chandra Goswami and Gorgavinda Smarachana Pali says that Manom Madhye Stito Mantra, that our mind should become one with the mantra. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean we just sit and, and we may mean that, that we're meditating on the mantra, but it means we should read the Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. 
and then just have a conception of Krishna who we're worshipping and the conception should be that of our Gurudev which we get from serving. What are the words for shadow and reflection? Abbas and Chaya. Huh? and Abbas. Yeah. What was the first one? Chaya. Chaya. Chaya, what's the other one? Abbas. Patibimba Patibimba. That was the word I was trying to remember. Patibimba Abbas. Describes this. They perform the chanting of the holy name of the Lord with the idea of this is how I get urge, get liberation, bliss. Bhakti Vinod, you may remember, says that of the two, if you have a tree in the bank of a lake and there's a shadow, reflection of the tree in the lake, and there's also a shadow of the tree, of the two, the reflection looks better. Right. He says, but that's Pratibhimba. And Chaya is a reflection of the shadow. The shadow. But he says that the two... The shadow is connected, but the reflection is right. not connected. <laughs> <laughs> it's connected, so it's always better. And sometimes the, the Mayavadi yogis, they look better than some of our Skanswamis. <laughs> we're controlling their senses, but they're all, all devotees are always better because they're connected. We had a group of devotees from China one year, and we were speaking about this Pratibhimba and Chaya Bhakti Abbas. And one of them just he said, this is it. He said, for so many years, I couldn't figure out why it is that some of the Buddhist monks, they're, they're so renounced, and they seem better than sometimes some of our devotees. And he said, but this, this is the answer. Yes, Bhaktivinoda is brilliant. Maharaj? My dream. I, fin- I finished ten. Oh, this is clockwise. Fourteen. It was the practice for Swarupdamdhar Goswami to examine all literatures to find out whether their conclusions were correct. Only then would he allow them to be heard by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Purport. Thakur says that if something impedes the execution of devotional service, it should be understood to be impure. Pure devotees of the Lord do not accept impure principles. Impure devotees accept rasabhas or overlapping contradictory melodies with other principles opposed to the bhakti path. The followers of such impure principles are never accepted as pure devotees. There are many parties following the path of Rasabas, and the followers are sometimes adored by ordinary men. Those who adopt the conclusions of Rasabas and Bhakti Siddhanta Virudha are never accepted as devotees of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sarvdamdar Goswami never approved such followers as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, nor did he allow them to even meet the Supreme Lord, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Can I, can I ask a question? I, I, I've been meditating a lot lately on Srila Prabhupada's desire for the whole world to be Krishna conscious. And Yudhuna Maharaj is speaking some things, some quotes from Prabhupada about that. And it's pretty obvious that if we have that. Some of the ladies, for example, will wear burqas and some of them will wear bikinis. And will be, if the whole world is going to be Krishna conscious. So on the one hand, just the concept of the whole world becoming Krishna conscious implies to me 
extreme liberality. But on the other hand, we also have these injunctions here, which are very, very important. And both things are said. How do we reconcile the two things? The only way to reconcile it is, is that, uh, I don't know if it's reconciling it because some people would probably oppose it and therefore by opposing it, they're not going to indulge in our philosophy. But is that uh, we can only hope that those who wear bikinis become purified in their lives. That burqas or covering the head is in the more traditional way is is beneficial for and the sake of everybody's consciousness. But uh, I, it's being recorded. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it reaches to. But, but Prabhupada also <laughs> said that not everyone's even going to be vegetarian. That. Not everyone will be vegetarian, even. They can be something involved in Krishna consciousness. And Garuda is a non vegetarian Vaishnava. But he's, yeah, but he's a, he's a pure Vaishnava. Yeah. But there, uh, well, how? I don't see, I don't see us doing it. Right. I, I just, it's like, you know, how did Yudhisthira Maharaj get the throne for 30 years and Prakshit Maharaj for just about the same amount of time before uh, everything started again decaying? Uh, it took Krishna's intervention to inaugurate the whole Kurukshetra war and to actually eliminate all of those because in, in one sense, the Kauravas couldn't do it. I mean, they just lived along with them. And as long as they lived along with Duryodhana, you're not going to give the world a chance at uh, Krishna consciousness. It's only if Yudhisthira Maharaj gets into power. So uh, I don't... I mean, see what we've achieved. Mm-hmm. What about the verse, Yashyasti Bhakti Bhagavachikinshana? That... Well, if they become devotees, they'll develop all good qualities. And a person who has good qualities would never think of slaughtering an animal. It's just getting people around to that life change, that they're going to take up Krishna consciousness, or that there's a lot of people who are, you know, giving up slaughtering animals and they're not taking to Krishna consciousness. So even just uh, a, a certain level of piety has its effect provided that then ultimately people take the Krishna consciousness, otherwise the piety won't hold. I was suggesting to someone about this yesterday that we have to follow Srila Prabhupada and we have our particular line and by the same time, if you go to Konark, if you go to the Jagannath Mani, if you go to the Alanath Temple, there's erotic <coughs> sculptures on the side of the temple. And there's traditions in Krishna book, as you mentioned, Kuja had certain pictures on, on the walls in their house. That's there, but it's not our culture. Our culture is <coughs> Prabhupada. There's prostitutes in Dwarka, there's so many different things. We should, I, I was suggesting that we should encourage people, and some people just, they're going to go in that direction, and, and it's actually good if they become attracted to Krishna through those things. But we're hoping, as Mars said, that they're going to become further purified and come to a higher standard yet. 
It could take multiple, multi I mean, it will take multiple lifetimes for, you know, the bikini wearers and people taking drugs and so on. So, so I think for ourselves, we have to be very strict and faithful to Prabhupada's injunctions, but at the same time, very broad-minded who want to fulfill Prabhupada's desire and, and just accept. It's like I hear sometimes devotees complaining, for example, some people were complaining about the Bhaktivedanta Hospital in Mumbai and saying ISKCON shouldn't be doing this. And I wrote to them, I said, this is not ISKCON. This is a group of private persons. And still they're going back and forth. And finally I told them, I said, this is Vanashram Dharma. These doc and it just made them quiet. But that's what's going to happen. Some people are going to want to <coughs> hire some people to cook and offer something in front of a picture and feed 10,000 children or something. And that's really maybe not what Shiva Prabhupada wanted for our society, but somebody's really excited by that. And that's a pious thing for them to do. It's, it's beneficial. We don't want to discourage it, but it may not be what our quarter is gone program is. That's my humble thought. Well, Varnashram, that was Prabhupada's program. Varnashram is the system of engaging all kinds of people and gradually bringing them to pure devotional service. And uh, that really needs to become the social system. How Varnashram becomes the social system when it's not even ISKCON's social system. So we need to be setting the example, and uh, until Iskand is really willing to do that, uh, and then figures out how, because uh, a lot of people aren't going to buy buy into, you know, the rights and obligations that Varnashram uh, places upon them. It. it uh, it just seems to me like uh, it's such a complex thing, mm. uh, and we're living in such a, a unsubmissive time, mm. where everyone's got the right to say anything, think anything, and people are going in all different directions. Uh, very, you know, during Prabhupada's time, most of the movement, mostly Krishna conscious devotees were very submissive and then the Prabhupada now, GBC, who cares, uh, you know, uh, uh, gurus have different opinions, devotees have different opinions, so it's, Krishna really does something that actually shakes the world up. They're already frustrated with leaders, they're fed up with the political leaders of the world, other people. They don't have a real alternative. They just keep getting more of the same. Um, tendency is there, you know, more and more vegetarians and vegans. But on the other side, uh, meat eating is on the rise, just by the quantity of meat that individuals consume in places like India. So many people becoming meat eaters. So, uh, I'm curious to see what Krishna will do. The people really think that they have to do something. And, what, and how is it that they're going to click into us? You know, I've, I've read Christian organizations. They're, they're all planning for this Armageddon, where everything's going to really fall apart, and how they are going, how Christianity is going to 
really take over and become the way it was, who knows, at the beginning of Constantinople and so on. Uh, we don't have a plan. Uh, we don't believe that uh, there's going to be, uh, you know, any kind of world change. Uh, we're not preparing our devotees. These people are really prepared in, in many ways, multiple ways. Do they give a date? Right? Hmm. Do they give any dates? <laughs> I don't I don't know about dates, but the fact is they're preparing. they're preparing. They've got yeah. you know they got uh, they've got uh, supplies that they've stored away. Uh, they've got a whole system of governance how they, they influence uh, the government. They've got a vision as to how they would like to see the world governed. Are they stockpiling weapons. Uh, well, in America, everyone's got weapons. <laughs> I'm talking about the world. America's America. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm trying to get my hands on some. <laughs> oh, God, is my bone <laughs> I had an interesting experience a few years ago in Vrindavan. We, we gave a Bhagavatam class. It's always kind of a challenge during Kartik time, the class, because you don't know most of the devotees. It's a little hard. And it was about Vanashram and Bhakti. The verse, and I spoke more on the bhakti side, which was my memories of stress. And everybody seemed happy. And then at the end, one devotee jumped up and, and challenged me. He said, "But we can't chant Hare Krishna." Prabhupada said, "We have to do Vanashram and this and this." And what do you say about that? And I just told him the honest truth. My, I said, "Well, this is a really controversial thing." And some different devotees say different things. I have personal feelings about it, but I'm not going to get into that here. But what I'm more interested in, I, I think, is how can we get on the same page? Because if we talk about Vanashram, it means there's a certain social conception which is shared amongst the devotees. And how can we accomplish that? That's, that to me, that's the real question. Rather than fighting over the particular details, how, what's the pathway to get there? And I suggested that, that we need to have... Uh, Vada discussions, open-minded discussions. We hear back and forth and we discuss things so we can have a certain set of values. Is it because we have so many different values, as you're saying, right? Some, some devotees thinking, what's the problem if you've been married five or six times? I know senior devotees like that. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. And in one sense, you can say, bhakti, you know, it's not... But if we talk about vanashram, of course it's a problem. But we're not on the same page. There's so many different values. Yeah. And, and then what's the consequence of having getting married five or six times? Because one thing is, it's not right, but what's the consequence? Because you have no, no society unless you have consequences. Laws means you do this or else. Because that's the Chatriya's business. Mm-hmm. So what's, what are, well, what's the consequences? And the, yeah. I was in Tripura once giving a class in a small village, the program we are doing. We finished the class and all of a sudden I heard some woman screaming, like she's being brutally murdered, kind of screaming. It's very disturbing. And I sent her assistant to go find out what's happening. And he came back and told me that some man had come back to his home and caught his wife with another man. And the woman screaming was there because the whole village were on the same page. The whole village got it together and they're pushing that woman out. 
She was losing her husband, her home, her parents, her friends, her children. She had no money. She had nowhere to go. Maybe she can become a prostitute. It's a heavy, heavy thing. I'm not suggesting that that's the, the proper value, but what, I, what struck me was that the entire <coughs> village had the same value system, and, and they were together. You, you couldn't do that. I don't even hear a new Brajadam. I'm sure there's been some other kind of things, and different devotees will have different feelings. No. Here, here it's not. Okay. Here it's in general, in, in his style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a problem. We have a problem in Iskand, and that's one. And, and other, other things that are really going to define, because ultimately it's uh, Shastra that defines what makes makes Varnashram, because everyone's got rights and obligations. We're hungry. Everyone's got rights and obligations, but they're just all speculation. And they started off being religious because they started off based on uh, Christianity and then uh, gradually gradually you know they're although here Hungary you know they're trying to be conservative it's like in other places same-sex marriage and uh, some uh, mm-hmm. other things legalizing drugs and alcohol. you're saying about the liberals it's good many people become vegetarian but most of the vegetarians are into the same-sex marriage and, and yeah. abortion and all kinds yeah. of crazy things. Left wing is worse than right wing. <laughs> and then you have the conservatives, so they're they're hateful of anybody who's not a Christian. A lot of times, it's, we don't agree with either group. Yeah. You know, there's a beautiful. We're nine thirty. No. With it, we started at thirty thirty. verse, a prayer by uh, Sir Dominic at 119, I was hoping we could get to that. You mean, oh, you're saying let's move on. Okay, <laughs> let's move on that far. Shishar Damodar used to read the poems of Vidyapati and Chandidas and Jaidev Goswami's Sri Gita Govinda. He used to make Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu very happy by singing these songs. Shantamda was an expert musician, as, was as expert a musician as the Gandharvas. And in scriptural discussion, he was just like Brihaspati, the priest of the heavenly gods. Therefore, it is to be concluded that there was no, great, there was no greater personality than this is, this is the first printing I've got, it's full of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it is the point that there was no great personality quite like Swarup Damodar. Purport. Swarup Damodar Goswami was very expert in music as well as Vedic scriptures. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to call him Damodar because of his expert singing and musical skills. The name Damodar was given by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and added to the name given by his sannyasi. <coughs> He was therefore known as Swarup Damodar, or Damodar Swarup. He compiled a book of music named Sangeeta Damodar. What is looking for it. Huh? <laughs> looking for that for years. Sangeeta Damodar. Sangeet Damodar. What does, uh, what, what has Damodar, the word, the name Damodar? How is it connected to music? Singing and music. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. You, you have anything on that? 
Yeah, that's a good question. This this Dhammadaya is used to, to bind the the, the, the ball of the belly. Perhaps there's. I mean, I can see why the book is called Sangeet Dhammadaya because it is named Dhammadaya and Sangeet means singing. Yeah, that's that's all. I would really like to find that book. <laughs> well, I'd imagine his books were all together, what to speak of his other notes on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Yeah, sure. And they're, they're all gone. There is a, a super, Suddhamada Kadacha, Prabhupada mentions, I have in the library. Some Vaishnava is even quoted, but it, it doesn't seem to be an authentic book. They, yeah, they say that it's yeah. not Pakistan to Saraswati. Okay, let's get to his verse. Sri Saurabh Damodar was very dear to Advaita Charya and Nityananda Prabhu, and he was the life and soul of all the devotees headed by Sri Vasakra. It was Saurabh Damodar who came to Jagannath Puri and fell flat before the lotus feet of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, offering him obeisances and reciting a verse. <laughs> Let there be an awakening of your auspicious mercy which easily drives away all kinds of material limitation. By your mercy, everything is made pure and blissful. It awakens transcendental bliss and covers all gross material pleasures. By your auspicious mercy, quarrels and disagreements arising among different scriptures are vanquished. Your auspicious mercy causes the heart to jubilate by pouring forth transcendental mellows your mercy always stimulates devotional service, which is full of joy. You are always glorifying the conjugal love of God. May transcendental bliss be awakened within my heart by your causeless mercy. Jubilate. <laughs> Prabhupada really likes this word, <laughs> jubilation. Um, purport. Okay. The important... This important verse quoted from Sri Chaitanya Chandradori Nataka specifically describes the Lord's causeless mercy. Srila Bhaktisanta Saraswati Thakur explains that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the most magnanimous personality of Godhead, distributes his causeless mercy in three ways to the conditioned souls. Every living entity is morose in the material world because he is always in want. He undergoes great struggle for existence and tries to minimize his miserable condition by squeezing the utmost pleasure out of this world. However, the living entity is never successful in this endeavor. While in a miserable condition, a person sometimes seeks the favor of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But this is very difficult for materialistic persons, to people to obtain. However, when one becomes Krishna conscious by the grace of the Lord, the flavor of the lotus feet of the Lord expands, and in this way a materialist may gain freedom from his miseries. Actually, his mind is cleansed by his transcendental connection with the lotus feet of the Lord. At such a time, 
one is enlightened by the loving service of the Lord. There are many different types of scriptures, and by reading them, one often becomes puzzled. I mean, there's th- this we could spend a week <laughs> on, all of these different yeah, statements, <laughs> just by the aroma. Uh, um, there are many different kinds of scriptures, and by reading them, one often becomes puzzled. However, one receives the mercy of the Lord, his confusion is mitigated. Not only are scriptural disparities resolved, but a kind of transcendental bliss is awakened, and in this way one is fully satisfied. The transcendental loving service of the Lord constantly engages the conditioned soul in serving the Lord's lotus feet. Through such fortunate engagement, one's transcendental love for Krishna is increased. One's position is thus completely purified, and one is filled with transcendental bliss, accompanied by the spirit soul's jubilation. Thus, the transcendental causeless mercy of Lord Krishna is manifest in the heart of the devotee. At such a time, material needs no longer exist. The lamentation that invariably accompanies material desires also vanishes. By the grace of the Lord, one is elevated to the transcendental position, and then the transcendental mellows of the spiritual world are manifest in him. One's devotional service then becomes firm, and one engages in the Lord's transcendental loving service with great determination. All these combine to fully awaken the devotee's heart with love of Krishna. In the beginning, a conditioned soul is bereft of Krishna consciousness and always morose in his material activities. Later, by associating with pure devotees, one becomes inquisitive to know the absolute truth. In this way, one begins to engage in the transcendental service of the Lord. It is by the Lord's grace that all misconceptions are vanquished and the heart cleansed of all material dirt. It is only then that the pleasure of transcendental bliss is awakened. By the Lord's mercy, one is finally convinced of the value of devotional service. When one can see the pastimes of the Lord everywhere, he is firmly situated in transcendental bliss. Such a devotee is relieved of all kinds of material desires, and it preaches the glories of the Lord all over the world. Krishna conscious activities separate one from material activities and the desire for liberation. At every step, the devotee feels himself connected with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Although such a devotee may sometimes be involved in householder life, he is untouched by material existence due to his constant engagement in devotional service. Thus, everyone is advised to take shelter or devotional service to become happy and liberated. Hare Krishna. We need to come back to that verse, purport, and dissect a little. And we were able tomorrow evening, we're going swimming from 7 to 8 or 8, I can't remember. I think seven to eight, so mm-hmm. 50 minutes there, 50 minutes back. So, Narendra Maharaj will cancel leaving at this day tomorrow? Oh, mm-hmm. I'm leaving at six in the morning. Yeah, I'm leaving at six. I have to go. Have we'll, to. we'll continue. Yeah, continue without me. <laughs> Are you coming? When are you coming to Budapest? In the morning. I'll be there for lunch on Wednesday. On Wednesday. 
or I'll probably be at the at the dentist. Ten o'clock morning in the morning. Rush again. Rush again. She's gonna said it'll be two to three hours. Who knows if I'll be able to eat my You day. went to her place? I went uh, to get my teeth cleaned, yeah. It's nice, isn't it? So, well, <laughs> thought I was in a restaurant. Thought <laughs> yeah. a plush restaurant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Waiting for the, wait, the waiter to come over it's and ask. out of this world. <laughs> yeah, she's going to, uh, she's going to take all the, I forget what they called those fillings. Amalgam. Amalgam, yeah. She wants to remove them, she said that's a... That you'll probably feel a lot better once they're out. Really? I had mine out, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And it makes you less tired? Huh? I've heard it make, they make you tired, metal fillings. It's, say. It, it's poison, it's uh, lead. I've got a whole bunch. <laughs> it's lead. It comes in lead poison. Lead poisoning destroyed the uh, Roman Empire. Can I just make a quick comment on this first? Just a tiny part of it. Samyach Chashra Vivadi. Vivadi means differences of opinion. And this gives me so much hope, this verse. We recite this every day in our Ashram Puri. That if we get the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and all the differences, and different understandings about Shastra and everything are resolved, and how does that come about? By getting mercy by chanting the holy name, by doing kirtan, by doing service, the process of bhakti, not just intellectual things. Yeah, great verse. Great verse. Mm-hmm. What? Thank you for finishing. Another one of those verses I have that's quoted. Huh? I, 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 this is from my readings from 10 years ago. <laughs> I highlighted this verse. Mm-hmm. Quoted mm-hmm. a generation before it was written. But was it a generation before? It was written. Quoted a generation before it was written. What is it? Is it because it's Chaitanya Chandra Nataka. That's a Kavikarna poet. And he's not even born oh, right now when this, this is being quoted. Uh-huh. Dina Vandu Prabhu gives a great explanation of this. He, he loves his verse, he picks it apart. And Word for word, Dina Bandhu is great, really, really fantastic. He was here for Rarastami, <laughs> he gave the most. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't like some kind of super rasipa thing. Uh-huh. It was, it was Siddhanta, and he he mixed a, a, a pastime, but it was so. Oh, it was fantastic. Prabhupada also, he's in his talks. It's it was. How, how long ago was that? Hmm? How long ago was that? Four or five years. Yeah, I, I heard he's having challenges with memory oh. right now. He has he's, he's, he's been here multiple times. Mm-hmm. He's great. Good. But then he started Kirtan and he was singing Radhe 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 I was over here, I, I came over. They, they were doing that for like, I don't know, four hours. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's all, just that. You know, just. That was okay? <laughs> I, that was okay. <laughs> I what, what to do? I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, interfere. Mm-hmm. Um,